I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at RAINnetwork.com. Welcome to this episode of RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emma Kami, and today I'll be speaking with RAIN's Europe analyst, Matteo Ilardo. Over the past year, the European Union and some of its member states have taken bold steps to recalibrate their strategies in dealing with China. In June, Brussels unveiled its first ever economic security strategy, which, while never mentioning China explicitly, it is heavily implied as the main target. Germany followed in July with its first ever China strategy, which explicitly focuses on cutting dependency on the Chinese market and restricting sensitive technology transfers to Beijing. In October, the EU launched an anti-subsidy investigation into Chinese electric vehicles, and Italy will soon announce its formal exit from China's Belt and Road Initiative. We'll explore how these um, these moves uh, from protectionist measures to economic security adjustments are shaping Europe's relations with Beijing. Hi, Matteo, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Emma. Nice to be back. Nice to have you. Um, can you explain uh, why Europe is trying to de-risk its relationship with China in the first place? All right. Well, let's try. So the shift in, uh, in the approach to China, which is basically um, the shift from a policy organized almost entirely around economic engagement to one that focuses more on security and, and tries to uh, diversified relations away from just relying on China is primarily motivated by a series of strategic and, and security consideration, uh, but also by um, a trade and economic relationship between Europe and China that is increasingly uh, imbalanced, so to say, at least in, uh, in the European perspective. Uh, starting from the strategic and security reasons, uh, there are a few key factors to consider here. We we have concerns, obviously, over China's growing authoritarianism and, and human rights violation. Uh, think, for instance, of uh, Hong Kong, of uh, whatever what's happening in, in Xinjiang, and, uh, and a more aggressive posture from China in key areas like the Taiwan Strait or the South China Sea. Uh, but, but then almost uh, mo more recently, uh, we, we also have this um, closer relation uh, between China and Russia uh, and a direct involvement in supporting the Russian's invasion of Ukraine, even though, again, always maintaining uh, this veil of neutrality. Um, so these are all important uh, considerations in uh, understanding the strategic rethinking. But then we also have um, long-standing issues related to Chinese economic practices that uh, are considered fundamentally unfair over here in, uh, in, in Europe. Um, and we're talking about China's use of um, economic policy to uh, exert geopolitical influence, including on European states, see Lithuania, uh, see probably very soon Estonia as well, uh, but also this lack of market openness uh, to European companies. Uh, Europe always complains about this uh, so-called lack of reciprocity in relations with China, uh, which has become some, something of a buzzword in, in EU-China uh, investment relations. And, and then obviously all the concerns with uh, property theft, uh, economic espionage, cyber espionage, etc., that China 
is always is, is often behind when it comes to uh, cyber risk in in the West. Um, and then there's this growing trade and, and economic imbalance that uh, EU commissioners love to talk about whenever they go to China. Uh, EU countries have benefited from China's economic rise over the past two decades uh, greatly. Think, for instance, of Germany, which became absolutely reliant on uh, exports uh, and investments to China uh, especially in the aftermath of the 2008 global financial crisis as a driver of economic growth. Um, but at the same time, um, EU countries basically, by benefiting from, from this rise, became more and more reliant on China for growth. Uh, exporting expensive goods to China, like cars or, or luxury products, and at the same time importing inexpensive stuff from China. Uh, but on while basically China learned to uh, to produce itself more and more this the stuff that Europe used to to sell to China, we uh, here in Europe uh, are um, completely reliant on China for a number of of, uh, of, um, of strategic sectors of uh, imports of critical raw materials. Um, we we have a lot of invest Chinese investments still in critical infrastructure, and the advent of the energy transition increase this because in Europe uh, reliance on China for imports of uh, car batteries, wind turbines, solar panels is, is almost uh, absolute. So in other words, to conclude, China um, does remain a key exports and investment destination for a number of European companies, but this importance is diminishing. Uh, while the strategic dependencies on imports from China have grown over the years and now represent uh, a a key threat in light of the security and strategic considerations we were just talking about. Right. And um, how different is this from what the U.S. is doing about China? So uh, the EU has somewhat um, aligned with the U.S. In, uh, in this campaign against China, but only to a certain extent. And basically, um, this boils down to a few factors. One, the EU and this is a fundamental uh, distinction between the EU and the US, the EU is not a country. Uh, foreign policy in the EU is still up to member states. Uh, we have the European Commission in, in Brussels that can somewhat shape the agenda, but then it goes down to single member states to decide on foreign policy decisions. They still have the prerogative, and even things done at the EU level require unanimity among member states when it comes to foreign policy. Um, and so when it comes to China, there are still fundamental disagreements uh, within the EU that basically prevent um, the region to, to develop a unified, strong and, and coherent China strategy. And that's in, in, uh, in, uh, in contrast with, uh, with what we see in Washington. Uh, we see a European Commission, Brussels, more aligned with China, sorry, with Washington on China, uh, on, on rhetoric and, both, and also policy objectives, but member states remain more cautious of, of the economic impact that being hawkish in China may have. Then secondly, um, everything we said earlier on the very reasons why the EU wants to the risk relationship with China, it's also the reason why um, it can't do it all of a sudden or it, it, can't, it can do it only to a certain extent, at least initially. Uh, and that's why we're talking about the risking and not the coupling. Europe relies heavily on imports from China 
um, that then it transforms in uh, uh, in uh, in manufactured products. So basically, China is part of the value chain in Europe, and Europe uh, sees China as um, key to its economic uh, success. It's um, these products that are um, produced starting from Chinese intermediate goods uh, in turn support exports, job creation and generally create added value. Um, and then finally, there's a strategic difference between the EU and the US. So don't get me wrong. Everything that I was just saying in terms of economic impacts um, that, that basically come from diversifying away from China. The U.S. has it just the same as for the EU. But the difference is that the U.S. Um, has, um, as, a, as a geopolitical priority, the one to counter China's economic and technological rise, whereas the EU doesn't have this strategic priority. So the difference is that Washington is willing to pay the price of reducing ties with China. The EU much less so. And for these reasons, um, Europe um, doesn't necessarily see China only as a source of competition and wants to have a somewhat uh, third way, middle way between uh, the US and China. Um, then again, we, we may argue that reducing these very dependencies on trade with China is the very goal behind the, the risking strategy. But this cannot be done uh, all in one day, and it, it will only happen to a certain extent. Given the strategic differences between the EU and the US, oh, when it comes to China, can you uh, give us a bit of a forecast for what comes next for EU-China relations uh, and how that might differ from what the US is going to do down the line? Uh, and also, if you could explain what the main implications specific for businesses, as a lot of our audience is in the professional space, just kind of provide like a brief kind of overview. Yeah, well, uh, uh, let's. Tr there will be, there would be so much to say, but we'll we'll keep it um, to the basics here. Um, moving forward, um, we should expect basically the same principles that. Uh, have so far informed the um, this formulation of the the risking strategy in Europe to continue guiding its um, this repositioning vis-a-vis -vis China in the future over the coming years. Um, we um, are already witnessing this here in Europe at present. We already see this growing trend of uh, rising protectionism, rising interventionism. And this will also affect relations uh, with China. For instance, we'll see more use of instruments like anti-dumping or anti-subsidy investigations against Chinese companies over the years. And this will lead to a higher import duties, for instance, for a number of Chinese imports, uh, particularly in products where um, the EU sees a direct competition coming from China, such as uh, electric vehicles, uh, wind turbines, uh, potentially steel, etc. Then when it comes to proper direct restrictions, um, and here it's the main difference actually that I forgot to mention earlier between the EU and the US, is that the, the EU uh, so far has taken inward looking um, protectionist um, measures, defense, trade defenses measures to basically reduce Chinese influence and presence in, uh, in its critical infrastructure and to increase its own competitiveness vis-a-vis -vis China, uh, but it didn't really take actions yet, at least, 
to um, stem the technological and economic rise of, of Beijing, which is what the US is more explicitly trying to do with uh, um, things like uh, outbound investment restrictions, um, export restrictions for uh, technology transfers, etc. So in this sense, um, the EU will take some uh, actions on economic security grounds, but will only align um, with, uh, with US restrictions only to a certain extent. Um, uh, these uh, export restrictions, uh, outbound investment screening measures, these will mostly remain limited to uh, those dual-use technologies that basically can have both a civilian and a military use. So in this we'll see the main difference between the EU and the US, but by contrast the EU and the US will, the approach of both will converge more in uh, inbound investment screening. So basically uh, we'll see more um, attempts from Europe to block Chinese mergers in, and acquisitions uh, when considered to represent a strategic risk. Um, and still, even these restrictions mostly will be limited to a few key sectors, uh, basically those where Europe can uh, more easily exclude Chinese investors by attracting, for instance, uh, investors from other countries like Taiwan and the US. One example is the semiconductor industry. Instead, we should not expect the EU to restrict Chinese investments, for instance, in electric vehicle or battery manufacturing or any other high growth um, job creating sector, um, especially if uh, European companies um, will see these investments as giving them a hedge against US competitors. And this is because the EU approach will remain this balancing act between strategic and economic considerations. So just to conclude, what does this all mean in uh, practice? How uh, will this all translate in terms of um, business, economic and trade implications? Um, we'll have these rising but limited restrictions from Europe uh, and the limited and targeted retaliation from China. So basically what this means is that we will end up in a situation where uh, we don't have an economic decoupling or any massive drop in bilateral trade and investment relations, but everything will cost a bit more as Europe basically relies less on Chinese supply chains and, uh, and less on Chinese investment. And it starts to um, transfer more of the supply chains, more of these investments into strategically aligned, so to say, let's call them strategically aligned countries, which basically uh, will not be as cost competitive as China, at least not right away. Right. Well, thank you so much, Matteo, for coming on the podcast and for that analysis. Uh, and I know you did further analysis on this topic in one of our rain key forecast questions. For the audience, our key forecast questions are one of our scenario planning capabilities that allow for our clients to evaluate risks across multiple scenarios and minimize the impact of uncertainty uh, in the future of their operations. If you want to learn more about our analyses on the future of this topic or any others that we've covered, you can check out all of our key forecast questions by subscribing to one of Rain's intelligence products, so you could, which you can sign up and learn more about uh, on our website, rainnetwork.com, which is R-A-N-E network.com. Thanks again, Mateo. I'm Emma Kami, and thank you for listening.